Hey folks, welcome to the Heart to Hand podcast, the place where passion comes to fruition. Do you have a passion on your spare time? Are you considering making the leap of faith? Have you done it already? Or do you manage to maintain balance between your daytime job and your secret undercover life? I am your host, Franck Louis-Marie. I am a lifetime artist, a martial artist, and yes, I'm French. Well, life is full of surprise. Um, today, for episode 9, I had the privilege to, um, to have an awesome conversation with a surprise guest. So I'm going to keep it vague for now. I'm not going to reveal the name of that person. Um, but if you follow along, you will understand uh, who my guest is. So I really try to keep it vague. But uh, yes, welcome back. Great conversation, and I hope that you enjoy the show. Okay, so Sunday, what's today's day? Sunday, the... 19 or 20, no, Sunday 20th of December 2020. Uh, yeah, so Hard to Hand podcast, uh, it's been a while, I mean, it's probably more than a year, and uh, and we all know that 2020 was a, a very particular year for everyone, so we are not exception here. Um, but today, I couldn't imagine of better guests to talk to. We started talking this morning and I realized that, man, I have to record this conversation. Um, I, I, I won't tell you the name of the person that I'm interviewing right now. We're going to come to it. But I would like to know um, if you can introduce, uh, explain to the audience how we met. <laughs> yes. Well, I was renting an apartment and I got locked into the apartment, couldn't open the door with my sister. And uh, I called the woman who rented the apartment to us. Uh, How long ago? 23 years ago? Uh, what, 1996, 24 years. 24 years ago, right. Um, and if I tell where it is right away, it'll give it away. But I was locked in the I locked in an apartment. I called the woman I rented the apartment from. She said, "Okay, uh, we can come and uh, try the key from the outside." But I'm having brunch with my boyfriend and his best friend. We'll be over in about 20 minutes. So my sister and I sat tight in the apartment, hoping that there wouldn't be a fire anytime soon. They came to the door. They opened it. No problem. I felt like an absolute jerk because I couldn't open the door from the inside. And in walked um, this woman, Erica, her boyfriend, and a very charming man named Frank. Frank, otherwise. <laughs> and um, we met. And, uh, and, it was, and we stayed in touch ever since. Right. And, so, this hap and this happened 24 years ago in Paris, France. And it looks like that we are good friends for <laughs> staying in touch for that long. <laughs> and now we find ourselves in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. So we stayed in touch so long that she finally took my last name. That's interesting. Yeah, we started to get hitched. That, that seemed like a good idea. So yeah. actually a year after we met, we got married. Or yeah. 18 months after we yeah, met in Paris. Yeah, yeah. So I like to say that um, for the first time ever, ever, France liberated the United States. Ah, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. That's a pretty good thing. That's a good image. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, so uh, so yes, here's Tracy. Tracy's my my dear wife, and um, and and not long ago, I mean, I always knew that that you were uh, an artist, okay, because uh, you've been involved in in different type, uh, in different form of of uh, arts and craft. Sorry for <laughs> the 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 name, um, but um, I think. Probably after uh, around Olivia's birth, uh, you you were already working on furniture that you were actually repurposing, uh, furniture that you would find in the street. That I remember helping you bringing the furniture upstairs, and you started to uh, to uh, to work on them. You know, and um, so can you can you uh, tell us about that? Um, sure. 
So I've always enjoyed um, textiles and interior design, furniture, things like that. And in France, I had the opportunity to take a course in um, upholstery. But in France, upholstery is so much more than just, um, you know, recovering an, an old chair. It's a applied art form that goes back hundreds of years. In fact, I learned how to upholster the same way uh, Louis XV's upholsters invented the technique of springs being tied down using horsehair. And um, I found it a very noble art. And uh, not only did it have this rich history of the technique being passed down it was very laborious, very difficult, very uh, strenuous. Um, but um, I was able to put my own signature on what I was doing because I would choose fabric or fringe or what they call in French passementerie that was um, not traditionally French. And I would twist things up a bit. And uh, my French fellow students would sometimes be like, uh, that's, that's not how we use the fringe or... You can't put a leopard print on a, on a Napoleon the first chair. And I was like, watch me, I can. <laughs> so um, even in this uh, reupholstery class that I took for 18 months, um, I, was a, I was a rebel. Like I was, I was the non-French person doing the non-French thing. And, and that was really fun. It really allowed me to embrace my um, unusualness which uh, was, a, was a pleasure, and it also created beautiful objects. And over time, I have to say, my classmates understood what I was doing, the, the, the irony I was trying to portray, or the, uh, just the, 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 the question I put out, they got. Yeah, that's interesting because it was also for you a, a, a cultural immersion because I remember back then that you were always very motivated into learning French, le, le, learning the, the, the custom, the custom uh, how it is to be French, how it is to, to live, you know, to, to, to be part of the city, to experience the city, the culture, and you were actually learning a very traditional art form. And, um, and I'm pretty impressed because your dedication to my culture it's probably even more than than mine, you know? <laughs> That's true. I, yeah. I was more interested in, in visiting museums and exploring mm. um, old villages and castles than you were. That's true. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yes. And so now you are uh, involved in a different art form. Okay. So uh, you've been working on this for quite a while. It's it's a new endeavor that you started that you started. I don't know, a few months ago. And um, so can you just explain the process? Because it looks fairly complex to me. It's extremely beautiful. But just can you walk me through a little bit? Sure. So um, a couple of months ago, I started actually about around the, the start of uh, the pandemic, I would say. Um, I immersed myself in decoupage, which is uh, the French craft of applying paper, uh, to cut out and apply paper, which is actually the, the translation of the word decoupage. And I've always, um, I've enjoyed paper, um, you know, Japanese origami paper, handmade paper. Um, I notice in magazines, just, I always have, uh, the quality of paper in different magazines. So I've, I've had a, a sensitivity to that. And, uh, now I've taken to, covering objects, whether it be boxes, um, uh, old computer boxes, it can be right now I'm working on a, an iPhone 10, uh, box, which is really sturdy and I'm covering it in images. So I have two categories of image. I have figurative images and then I have, um, abstract images, which could be geometric or just swirls of color, twists of color, things like that. And I, compose a visual plateau that's got consistent colors, textures, scale, um, content has to make sense. And 
I don't necessarily start out with a particular goal. Sometimes I might start with a, a color palette, but the process starts to tell a story. And once I see that story emerge, I need to be true to that story. So it becomes like a puzzle, like a huge jigsaw puzzle. But the scale I work on is usually quite small. I would say most of the images um, are about uh, a half an inch square to maybe two inches square. And uh, I have to get every image I put in, I glue to, to my surface, it has to be perfect. So I am a perfectionist. And, and in this particular art, being a perfectionist really serves me well because I will go through four or five magazines to find the right shade of turquoise that I need with the right um, pattern in it. If it takes me three hours, I have no problem with that. Um, that to me, when I finally find it, is an absolute, um, you know, a find, a, a success. And I know when I glue that piece onto my box, I know that it took three hours and I know that I found the, found the perfect piece and I get a tremendous sense of satisfaction and joy out of that. That's interesting because uh, for me, it's, it's, it's the perfect balance between your attention to detail, your sense of organization, but also you have a very loose side of you, you know, as a person, you know, so you're not super like a cookie cutter and, and super tight all the way. I can see you, the looseness in, in, in your personality. And I can see that in your work, how you balance different inspiration, which is the looseness, because you have to be very open to gather all those images and then organizing everything into a limited surface. So it's a great, great uh, sense of balance of your different sense, sense, sensibilities as an artist. I love that interpretation, but that's really true. Um, I, before I start a project, my first step is going through um, visual content and cutting out all sorts of things that, um, all, all sorts of you know patterns, textures, colors, and I don't know how I'm gonna use it, I just collect and I throw a really wide net and then once I sit down to start the project, I have no idea what I'm going to use. Mm -hmm. But that looseness has allowed me to collect a vast amount of material. And I notice that the more material I start out with, the better my projects end up being. Because they, the, if, the, if the content is, 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 I have a lot of content, when I figure out what my narrow path is, I, um, I still have enough content within the parameters of that narrow path because I've spread such a wide net. For me, it sounds like jujitsu, actually, you know, because uh, I'm a martial artist for, for you guys, you know, you already know that I've been a, long, a lifelong martial artist. And that's the same process, you know, when you start engaging with your training partner, um, you have, you can have a direction or you can also improvise on the fly. And, but the more you go, the more precise, you know, your direction gets until you uh, assume uh, your position and then when you get to step by step to the to the to the submission to the, the the finalization so it's a it's a selective process you know starting from loose to to more and more precise and to the final result which is the submission for us in in in, uh, in jiu-jitsu and for you the final product so but let's go back a little bit what, what is your uh, professional background because you you manage to balance your, your job your work and your uh, craft. So can you tell us about this? It uh, must be difficult to manage. Uh, sure. Well, when I was 18, um, I went to Cornell University. And before I, before I even started university, I knew that I wanted to study fashion. I wanted to be a apparel designer, a textile designer. So that's what I studied for four years. But at the end of those four years, I was actually disillusioned with the world of fashion and I chose to go into the Peace Corps and start a career in humanitarian public health work. Uh, but it was very interesting that I, that even at 18, I was attracted to the world of, of art, uh, a, you know, visual, a visual world. But the reason I was unsuccessful in pursuing, um, a career as a fashion designer was that at 18 years old, I was really interested in fashion for my own self, how I dressed, the 
the image I was projecting, the um, the shock that I could produce, the um, the silhouette and uh, my the the art form that I would wear for me. And I didn't have the maturity or the vision to be very interested in doing that for others. It was more um, it was more on a personal level, but I but I didn't really realize it. So I never I never really connected with uh, on a deep level. I never really connected with uh, being an apparel designer. What I really wanted to do was be a fashionable eighteen year old. Um, so at the end of my training. Um, I think I did quite well, but it, it just didn't hook me. So I tried something else. And again, I think that speaks to my openness. So, mm. you know, I tried one thing, it didn't work out. So I moved on to another thing, which was now, um, uh, you know, being a, a professional humanitarian, I went on to get a master's in public health. Uh, and then about the time I met you, I think being in France where art and the tradition of art and craft applied arts, which is the, a, a great French term that we don't really have in the United States or in English, um, is when I came back to my creative desires. And now I was mature enough that it wasn't about me looking creative or me being a beautiful object, but I wanted to create beauty around me and for others. And that's when um, I started getting into upholstery and repurposing furniture again to speak to the puzzle, finding an old chair on the sidewalk and uh, seeing the potential in a you know a three-legged chair with ripped upholstery and you know and and horsehair popping out of its seat. Uh, I saw something beautiful, and that challenge was my puzzle, and uh, I applied my artistic skills in that, and that was the beginning. So yeah, so you went from being pretty self-conscious to be uh, in, uh, in, a, in a selfless uh, occupation profession because of public health. I think that you chose that because of your, your sense of compassion and also the willingness to experience another culture and to help others too. So, um, and then uh, going back to your interest in arts, um, Maybe that's that was another way to to balance your sense of sharing, you know, to, with the others, um, and repurposing and re, re how can I say restoring re restoring uh, something that might look you know out of shape or that we cannot use anymore. So there is a sense of of hope and and bring things in a better state. So I don't know if that was the same thing that you. You've done when you went overseas, you know, uh, helping people, you know, getting. <laughs> I, I see an image of me. So I'm helping a, a homeless chair get back <laughs> on its feet, stop its crack addiction and uh, find a happy home. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, but that's interesting <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I tried to draw parallels, but sometimes it's a little bit far-fetched. But um, uh, it's an interesting balance, you know, with your different occupations and art always come back in the picture. Um and that's pretty cool. So, uh, and earlier today we were talking about uh, the meaning of art, you know. So, uh, can can you uh, can you go back on this uh, that notion of art form, what what it means to you, and what it means to me? Uh, it has a slightly different um, uh, angle. Yeah. Yeah. So I've always struggled. Well, I should say, um, yeah, I've, I've always struggled with calling myself an artist. Um, I think uh, I suffer from that, um, you know, the, the fakeism that a lot of people can feel. Um, when I met Frank, and he was always so supportive of us having conversations about architecture, one of our favorite things when we first met was walking through the streets of Paris at night and looking into the windows of, of apartments and homes and um, spying, you know, beautiful cornice work and um, uh, art on the walls, uh, peaks at, you know, 200-year-old chimneys and things like that. And we would talk about the architectural designs and we both got so excited by it, trying to pin what period it came from and what was the decorative style that the, the homeowner, you know, was into. And that was really really, really a lot of fun. I think we really bonded over that in the beginning. Um, and it was tremendously romantic, <laughs> as an aside. Uh, 
but um, Frank was the first person who called me an artist, and uh, I felt so ashamed of being of, of you saying that. Because I was like, oh my gosh, can I live up to this? And it happened when we were remodeling our apartment in the 17th arrondissement in Rue, Rue Berzelius. And at the same time, um, another friend of mine um, stopped by the apartment and saw the projects I was into, the restoration I was doing, the the chairs I had, you know, saved from the sidewalk, the trottoir, and uh, was in the process of restoring. And um, I had a, I had a, an approach like there was a strategy I had with uh, the furniture I was saving and restoring, but there was always a twist to it. And when I shared that people's first thought was, oh, you know, you're an artist. Like, this is this is a, a masterpiece that you're working on. And um, it took me a, a long time to be comfortable with that title. I yearned for it, yet I was terribly afraid of being told, called an artist because I felt I'd have to live up to it. And what if I couldn't? But to get to your point, um, yes, uh, I, I create art. I am creative. I do upholstery, decoupage, um, I weave as well. Um, what else do I do? Ceramic. Oh my gosh, for three years I, <laughs> I did ceramics full time. So like I do a lot of applied art or I guess craft you might say here. Um, and it makes me feel really good and I love doing it. But I can also go through periods where I don't do it at all. And um, I was trying to identify the difference between Franck and I and our approach to art. And we realized that for Franck, it's, um, it's really vital to his existence, to his identity, to his core self. Um, and I don't feel that way. I love doing it, but I can also find uh, love and satisfaction and, and vitality through relationships with friends, uh, traveling, um, physical activity, um, doing loads of things, planning an awesome vacation with 15 stops and organizing it from top to bottom. Um, there's many ways that, that I feel that I'm being true to myself. And Frank was saying, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that your art, and in your case, it's a corporal expression, being uh, a martial artist, is really completely tied to your sense of self and your uh yourself your your value um and that's why i think we're we're different and if i dare say that's where i think you are a a fine artist and i am more of a um, craftsperson creating more functional items um that I approach it, like I said earlier, more as a, a puzzle and a challenge opposed to something I am driven to by a, a life force that's bigger than myself. I think maybe you are driven with a life force bigger than yourself, but maybe you don't realize, you know, um, because I think it is, I mean, just, just to be honest, you are m one of my favorite artists if I talk about only, you know, on what you are producing, the quality of your work. And, and that's the truth, you know. So this is not only um, uh, a pastime or a hobby. Uh, there is a definitely a driven force that, 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 that flows to, through you in order to produce what you are producing. So this is... Um, and for me, this is what art is in general. You know, it could be music... It could be uh, visual art. Uh, as a person, we are a medium of something bigger than us. And, um, and that's what I feel about martial art as well. This is not only about learning how to fight. It, it, it's bigger than this. It's how to, you tap into who you are at the core. You try to reconnect with your deeper self. And, uh, and I think that, what, that this is what you are doing. Uh, we can put any names on this. Uh, hobby, uh, craft, or uh, pastime, but it is, it is very, very powerful. And and when it comes to me with martial arts, it's I cannot live without this, you know. So and and also at, at some time, I remember it was difficult for me to embrace that identity, 
Because I remember in the past, I was perceived with someone that, oh, you don't want to mess with Frank. He's going to slap you. He's going to hit you, you know, because I had that projecting that aura, you know, of, I don't know, like, uh, not a bad ass, but, but I started to reject that image a little bit because I didn't want to be perceived as such, but that was a part of me, you know, and embracing your identity as an artist sometimes can be a struggle because you want to fit in the box. You want to, to uh, contribute to the system of society, of industry. And, and it's difficult sometimes to be out of the box and to be who you are really, you know, and, and it's a struggle, but uh, seeing you doing what you do, it's very inspiring because once again, you know, we can put any label on this, but this is who you are. You know, you are Tracy who express herself in different ways that are beautiful, you know, that's really yeah. lovely, Frank. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. Because I express my sh myself in so many different mediums, that's actually the very reason why I have a hard time accepting the label being being an artist because I'm like, well, I, you know, I did pottery intensely for three years and then I moved on to decoupage. And before that I was doing uh, upholstery and then I w was you know intermittently weaving and how can I be an artist if I just do so many different things and I'm not a absolute master of one and that's hard for me yes uh, uh, just to get back on mastery mastery is a endless process you know so some people have a, a very narrow focus on their craft and activity and they're going to excel but at the same time they tend to suffer from isolation because I remember uh, seeing a documentary about like Olympic athletes and the only thing that they had in mind was the gold medal, gold medal, gold medal. And they were missing out on many, many, many things, you know, uh, on how to uh, blossom as an individual. So yes, you are an artist um, and that's, that's why your art applies very well to applied art because it is your art form transferred to different medium, different objects that we can use, you know. So in, in French, we say art appliqué à l'industrie, which means applied art to the industry, which is, yeah, the art within um, uh, usual objects that we can use, but you make them beautiful and pleasant to the eye, you know. So architecture fall into this category, interior design as well, ceramic, uh, what you are doing, decoupage, collage. Um, so yes, you, 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 you should be proud to, to be who you are and be called an artist. But for sure, like artist comes with lots of connotations, but yeah, you are a true artist and that's what it is, you know? And I always encourage you to be the artist that, 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 that you deserve to be because there is no doubt in my eyes that you are an artist, not only an artist, but a very talented artist that me as an artist as well can have a very high respect for what you do. Oh, that makes me feel so fantastic. In fact, your, your ability to sincerely see me as an artist really is, is one of the, um, the motivations that, that, that keeps me going and makes me feel so proud. You're unwavering support of me from the very beginning even before I realized I was an artist has been absolute tremendous in my growth mm -hmm. as a creative and I really appreciate that in mm -hmm. fact um, I'll even marry you if you want <laughs> yeah we can renew your contract I think <laughs> um, and uh, yeah that's interesting because for me um, being a, 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 a an illustrator uh, to be able to draw was something that I was good at since I was a kid, you know, but not passionate about, you know, my passion at, at the beginning back then, I remember that I wanted to be a, a, a PE teacher, you know, like uh, I wanted to be involved into art and at the same time I wanted to help. But my, my mom uh, saw that I was fairly talented with art and she really pushed me to, to continue into that, this direction. And I think that was a good choice as a parent, you know, that it's always good to encourage your kids to do things that they are good at, but that wasn't my passion. And I, I, and I knew that my drive at, for uh, many years was to be the best 
uh, Illustrator, you know, uh, better than others. So that was my drive for maybe a few years, but this is not sustainable because there, there were so many, many talented artists when I joined animation school and I, I was, I was behind, you know, in terms of, of talent. And, um, but at the same time, those artists were uh, an inspiration for me. Um, and, um, and I was very, uh, uh, thankful and, and, and fortunate to, to learn from them, to be inspired from them and to progress. But my passion was always martial arts and also music because I was involved in music as well. Um, so these are definitely different type of art form, you know, like physical and, and also like communicative, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah. A form of communications. Yeah. And also what I'm doing here right now, uh, just talking to you, uh, the, the podcast, uh, to be able to verbalize and articulate, it's also an art form for me because this is also one of the mediums where I can express myself, even though I tend to be a reserved person. There are mediums when I can fully express myself and when where I feel alive, you know, as opposed to be seated behind a computer and drawing all day. Yeah. And it's integral, integral to you too when you find that opportunity to express yourself, it's like you, you can't stop, mm -hmm. I imagine. Like, it, you just have to go with it, right? Integral. What is integral? Uh, integral or...? In, oh, sorry. Integral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I speak English. I, I got the, the idea. <laughs> uh, so, yes, and Tracy, you have a website because you, you went pretty far also with your ceramics. So you, yeah, you, yeah. I, I really love ceramics. And it's interesting because there's a connection between all of the craft that I do. Um, I, I love pattern. And uh, the ceramics I do, I do mostly hand-built ceramics. And I use uh, pigment-colored pigment clay. And through the manipulation of the different colors, uh, I create pattern that's baked into the, the body of the clay. So I, I don't use any glaze. Um, most of my ceramic is raw. And to me, it's all about the, the pattern I, cre I can create. And I take that pattern and I mold it into a, a functional form. And in the decoupage that I do, again, it's, it's about pattern and repeats and uh, pauses between complexity to let the let the image breathe a little bit and then when I've done the weaving that I've done also mm. obviously weaving by nature of it is is about pattern so um I've noticed that about myself too and textiles you know pattern I just really love pattern in fact one of the first books we bonded over if you remember Frank mm. 20. I think this must have been 22 years ago, on our first trip to London together. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, we went to the uh, Albert, uh, what's the name of the museum? I don't remember. Um, oh, gosh, the something Albert Museum, the Museum of Decorative yeah. Arts um, in London. And I bought a book on ornamental Ornaments. elements, yeah. uh, borders and... Uh, you know, basically or ornamental art. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just love that aspect of it. It, it. That's how I think we also connected over architectural mm -hmm. flourishes and uh, details. And um, you ended up using that book in some of the, the work you were doing, some of the paid work you were doing. And I just loved, loved the detail in that book. And I didn't even know what I was going to do with it. But that's one of my favorite books. And then years later, when I was getting a, a, a certificate in surface design at mm. the Otis School of Design here in L.A., um, I brought that book in as a reference. And my teacher was like, oh, my gosh, you have that book? I was like, yeah. And he's like, and I actually bought it at the museum. As he was referring to the museum. So it was kind of a really interesting full circle. It's like I almost didn't know. It's like my subconscious knew what I wanted to do before I did. That's how oh, I was thinking about the same thing. I mean, uh, it's sometimes, yes, I, I, I purchase books or, or, or items years in the past, or I start an activity, then I put it on pause. And then it, it really becomes relevant like years after. Oh, that's so interesting. It's the Victorian Albert Museum. Uh, Victorian Albert, okay. yeah, yeah. 
So uh, it's almost like yeah, you are you, you feel in your gut that this is going to serve you in 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 the future or at some time, and 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 it happens to be true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that book is really that book has been really magical to me. How it's connected me to people, and uh, I had no idea what I was getting into when I first bought that mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. So what's the name of your website? My website is called lmceramics.com, and it's spelled E-L-L-E, -L -L -E, new word, A-I-M-E, and then ceramics, and L-M means in French, she loves, and then ceramics, written in English. But it has a, is, there's a wordplay, and in French it's called a jeu de mots, which, because my last name, our last name, that would be, is Louis-Marie, which starts with an L, and then has an M. So L, the letters LM is corresponds to LM as in she loves in French. And um, you came up with that. And I think it's the most magnificent name for my art studio. Yes, it's uh, like a coded message. <laughs> yeah. But, but being a French, uh, we, we play a lot on words and lots of names that I found for you also, uh, you had a, a, I remember like designing a, a, a card for you when you were doing um, furniture restoration. And that was another name. Um, I don't remember, but, uh, but the same for my uh, Jiu-Jitsu project is Avant-Garde Jiu-Jitsu. So it comes also with the wordplay uh, uh, and, uh, and other things. So yes, uh, LM Ceramics. So to get back on your website, LM Ceramics, uh, you, you, you sold a few pieces, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I have a I have my own site and then I have a site on Etsy, and um, yeah, it's 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 enjoyable sharing my work with people. Though I think, as many artists uh, feel, the selling part is a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, uh, putting a value on what I do necessarily, yeah. um, I tend to give a lot of stuff away because that feels more natural than mm -hmm. uh, having a monetary exchange. But I'm making peace with that little by little. Yeah, there is always a sense of guilt when you have to put a number on, on your work. You know, how much I'm going to sell this? Uh, is it too expensive? Oh, this is not enough. So it's better to be not enough than too expensive. But at the same time, it, it, that's something that we need to learn. You know, like put the numbers that, that really uh, uh, set the standard of your quality of work as right. well. Yeah. Oh my gosh, like thinking this. So I've got in front of me an iPhone 10 box, um, which you are all familiar with, you probably own one. And I have maybe, it's almost done. I probably have about 100 to 120 small little individual pieces of mm. paper on it that I've glued on to, to create my composition. And I would say I've probably put... Um, Oh, 25 hours into it so far. Mm -hmm. And if you, we're talking about the scale of an iPhone box. <laughs> we, we're, so. we're not sponsored by that company, just to let you know. <laughs> iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. Uh, and so, yeah, I could never, if I pay myself 20 bucks an hour, I could never sell this for, um, <laughs> for the amount of time I put into it. But yeah. so I'm going to end up probably giving it to my best friend because somewhere along the line, I started thinking about her while doing this. So, uh, and also I think that your, your, your art, your pieces are influenced by your travels, you know, your exposure to culture, because in your ceramics, there is definitely uh, 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 African, I mean, African is very vague, but uh, Western African influence and as well as Asian influence, because you use the Japanese method to, to uh, create your ceramics. So can you uh, elaborate a little bit? Sure. Um... I think you're right. I've been told that there, in my ceramics, there's a uh, kind of a primitive art feel, certainly uh, an African um, aesthetic to it as well. I've lived in uh, in, Afri in Africa for five years. I lived in Liberia for two years, in Cameroon, West Africa for three. I was raised in Asia, in Hong Kong and Japan. So, you know, I've lived about... Uh, 20 years of my life um, mm -hmm. in in Africa and Asia. So definitely it's been a fundamental influence uh, on my aesthetic, uh, being surrounded by, you know, not, not necessarily high art in those cultures, mm -hmm. but the, 
the daily, the quotidian art, mm. um, you know, the the utensils, the advertisements, the um, the painting on people's houses, all that kind of stuff is how I was influenced. So I don't know if I even, I don't think I ever went to a museum in five years in Africa, and I certainly didn't go to galleries. Um, and in Asia, uh, it was really just the, the local aesthetic of life of, mm. of daily functioning life that influenced me yeah and the same in paris i mean the just the architecture around you know it's it's influential i mean uh the, the metro station you know like guimard art nouveau uh, uh, art deco architecture uh Haussmannian buildings and 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 definitely the art it's it's, it's all around you know in paris in and 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 uh, yes, you were about to say some, something. Well, I would say what I I know that you and I embrace this, um, uh, noticing and pointing out visual uh, beauty around us, um, and you know whether it be nature, man-made, uh, even unintentional, because our children mm -hmm. get it too. And I have to say that's almost one of my greatest accomplishments is having given our kids um the attention to detail to see beauty where mm -hmm. it's the least expected and because you and i practice that naturally yeah. um our kids saw us doing it all the time and i always get so excited when i'm driving someplace and mm -hmm. Olivia will point out wow mom look at the look at the pink on that building or sebastian will point out something and um, I'm like, oh, they get it. They see beauty mm -hmm. and inter visual interest all around them. And um, that's so import important to just kind of loving mm -hmm. and experiencing your, your daily life in a, in a mm -hmm. deep way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I'm thinking about Sebastian and Olivia now, you know, as young adults, uh, the, the, the art, it's flowing through them. Sebastian is a musician and also visually has a very acute sense of detail. Uh, Olivia has a great sense of styles, and I think that she could be a great photographer. She's a dancer as well. So, and and as as parents, I think that we are really proud of seeing our kids to embrace also their uh, artist and 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 identity in a way, and uh, and it's very important, especially for this generation. You know, yeah. Um, so ceramics. Upholstery, decoupage. What, what's what's coming next? Is there like a, another interest? I think there is something. Yeah. Um, well, so the d distinction between collage, collage interests me. Decoupage and collage. There's a there's a difference between the two. Decoupage is more about uh, the assembly of um, images uh, without a strong message or irony it's more about a, a feeling in the piece and i think that once i kind of exhaust my what i need to say or express in decoupage i would like to move on to larger scale collage mm. where there will be a less material on the surface but um more more impact a stronger message uh a stronger irony that appeals to me but i'm also scared of it yeah, uh, yeah but it's good you know to be scared is good because that's that's a form of energy you know uh, if you were like super confident you would have a finite uh vision of what you would be doing but being scared it's good because it means that it's bigger than you you know mm. but when i'm when i'm looking at your boxes it really makes me think about two things about a dream Things that you would see in your dream, you know, like images that are not necessarily related, but that actually have a connection in a way. And also surrealist, you know, like Salvatore Dali, uh, uh, this type of art form. And, it, and I can see that right now, you know, that would be definitely something that there isn't an apparent meaning connection, but there is a connection somewhere. And I think uh, as, um, as a, a third person, I make my own connection when I see your, your things, because those boxes are going to be given to your relative, you know, as a present. And everything that you put together, there is a connection. Yeah. You know, there is a message. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. And then for me, as a person who created it, not only do I have the intent that I'm aware of, but 
I, I'm fascinated by the source of the materials I choose, mm -hmm. the, the, the paper images. You know, some have been taken off of tissue boxes mm -hmm. and, and others were an ad for tampons. And um, when you see the little pink shape that I've glued onto this box, you have no idea that they came from a tampon mm -hmm. ad in a, in a magazine, but I know that. And so when I see it, I see it on so many different levels and um, it gives me joy and, and humor to know that I've taken, th that I've made this um, a mast, a, a mishmash of uh, images that come from this disparate group of sources that really most likely only I know of, um, unless someone is extremely familiar with advertising and editorials and magazines. And that's kind of like the secret in mm -hmm. all this, is I know where it really came from. Mm -hmm. And the observer doesn't, though, like you said, you have the, the right, and, and I hope you do, interpret any way you want to. But it's almost like there, it's a, I know the code mm -hmm. to some way, in some ways that no one else will ever know. Oh, that's great. Uh, and yeah, but I'm looking the, at this right now. So what is that image? This is the uh, very expensive um, uh, leather bag. And it's a detail, uh, leather strips that have been knotted together of a handbag. Yeah, because it, it, it has that uh, almost golden quality color. Right. And then you come up with like complementary colors, purple. And what is this? So this is from an ad for um, a hairdryer. And this is the, the teeth that you would use on a, a woman's hairdryer to kind of comb out the hair while you're drying it. And it's this beautiful purple with gradations. The shadow creates these gradations. Uh, and that's from a hairdryer. So that's interesting. And then you have another image here. Mm -hmm. That's the skyline of New York City from an airplane ad. So uh, so yes, that, that's, that's, that really gives me an idea on how far you go to find patterns and colors so you are constantly scanning everything mm -hmm. then yeah yeah and um i kind of i enjoy putting uh limitations um on where i find images as part of the part of the challenge part of the puzzle is that i um don't want to um photocopy mm -hmm. or uh yeah ah, I, I, I don't want yeah. to photocopy existing images mm -hmm. i want to find them in their natural state so um, I might cut up a, you know, a coffee table art mm -hmm. book, but I don't want to photocopy pages yeah. from the art book I and use them totally. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so something about, I see that as almost, quote, cheating, yeah. and I don't want to do that. I, I want to find the images in their natural state, and if I only have one of them, then I need to choose it really carefully when I use it, because mm. I'm not going to have a second chance. Interesting, very, very interesting. That's just a self-imposed self limitation. Yeah, no, it makes sense because it makes the, the search even even more fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. it makes it um, valuable mm -hmm. because, yeah, because I, I don't have an endless um, yeah. opportunity. I, I have to catch the, mm. catch the images when I see them, when they cross my path. Interesting. Hey, we forgot uh, one of your art interests uh, that you actually did a few, uh, the mobile Mobile? How do you say that? How do you oh, call yeah. No, mo mobile. Mo You're mobile, right. Mobile. Cer ceramic. So I like, I collect driftwood and I've made yeah. um, mobiles from, um, mm -hmm. with, the, with the driftwood and my ceramic medallions. And that's been a lot of fun too. Yeah. Yeah. So you are all over the place. Again, and, and the found object mm -hmm. aspect of the, of the driftwood. That, yeah, that's what I was. I mean, you know, I can't go to the beach without filling up my backpack with either large stones or small boulders that I often ask you to carry. Yeah, bring, bring in the beach at home. That's, that's what <laughs> and it is. even when I go on a hike in nature, I'm always collecting things. I guess I'm a collector. So do you, this is how you see the world around you when you are outside? Do you pay attention to small details? Or, but that's what I do as a visual artist as well, because I'm still a visual artist. Uh, looking at the way that the light hit the stone or the, the, the brake light of a car, the way that the light is going through that and the texture, do you see? Totally. Mm. And I think because um, I work in a tactile medium, mm. I'm able to actually take those things. Like mm. right behind us is a, a stick we, we got at Lake Tahoe covered in this incredible green moss. And uh, we kept yep. it, right? So wherever mm -hmm. I go, I'm always taking, and that's that's inspiration. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, and 
it might find my way its way into one of my art pieces someday. That's pretty cool. That's nice. So yes, we are reaching the end of uh, this episode. So Tracy, can you tell us again uh, your website uh, where we can find you? Yes, I'd be so thrilled for you to go and see. It's uh, mostly ceramics. LM Ceramics. E-L-L-E-A-I-M-E. Ceramics with an S at... Dot com. <laughs> Sorry, dot com. Yeah. And you are on Instagram as well? Yes, please follow me on Instagram. That's my handle, LM Ceramics. Yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, yeah. So, and uh, and this is it, guys. So uh, I had the pleasure to talk with Tracy Louis-Marie, who happened to be related to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to say, I am so honored to have my husband interview me. I've, I've heard you interview you know, a dozen or more people in our bedroom uh, on Sunday afternoons. And I never thought that I would have the privilege of being selected as one of your creative guests. So thank you so much, Ronk. Yeah, I'm super happy to have you actually uh, resuming the next season, you know, of Heart to Hand podcast. And usually we don't speak English to each other. So that was a, a great exercise and it went pretty well. Merci, je t'aime. Merci, je t'aime. Finally, episode 9 is in the box after that long hiatus. Um, but yeah, that was a great conversation with Tracy. I'm so fortunate to be sharing my life with someone as talented as Tracy and, and as knowledgeable and, and culturally rich. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is. And, um, and being an artist, just owning that nomination you know because sometimes it is not easy it can be a struggle we try to fit in boxes in order to satisfy other people's expectation but the idea of not limiting yourself in a particular category for me it's vital you know and um, be who you are even when that hurts keep on growing keep on learning and express yourself okay And this definitely will benefit each, uh, other people, you know, who you live with as well, you know. And um, yeah, once again, awesome episode. I I'm very, very happy. And uh, yeah, so that was it. Episode 9 is in the box. Uh, I wish you guys a happy holidays and hopefully 2021 will be a good year, you know. And, uh, and yes... Love you guys. See you next time. Bye.